Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful to you for your goodness. We're thankful that we had the strength to be able to come here tonight. We're thankful that we have an online ministry where people who can't come can watch. We're thankful, Father, that we get to receive your word tonight because it's valuable. A lot of things we could do that don't have much value, this has value. And so we're grateful for that. I thank you for every individual that's here. Thank you for every family that's represented. I thank you, Father, that you know every one of us. You even know how many hairs we have on our head and you love us, everyone. So, Father, thank you that there's answers tonight. There's strength tonight. There's renewed hope tonight. There's insight tonight. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're going to reveal. I ask the Holy Spirit to help me to speak clearly and accurately. And Father, may our hearts just be open to receive from you. We're grateful for you. We love you. Give you all the praise. Ask that you would be honored and glorified tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We did something last week where we talked a little bit about uh, Proverbs 3, we begin to talk about mercy and truth. If you could go ahead and put that up there one more time. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. There it is. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Uh, just real quickly, mercy, we looked it up, is actually a, in the Hebrew, it's a masculine noun. And uh, it's kindness, acts of kindness, love, goodness. People would ask Jesus for mercy, and he healed them. So that was an act of kindness from God. If you begin to look, especially in the Psalms, you see a lot about God's mercy and truth. God's mercy and truth. We talked about truth. It was the feminine. Uh, The word Hebrew word is a feminine word. It's genuine, accurate, honest. It's God's truth that we're after, not our own personal truth. Now, as we begin to talk about this last night, uh, last week, I... uh, in fact, I was talking with Joy, I said, and, uh, and Matthew, I said, they got quiet on me. And I know what happens when, when you guys get quiet on me. You're my, you're my Wednesday night guys. We have a relationship. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not kidding, we do. We, we, we have, and I know that when you guys go quiet, it's either because I have thrown something new at you or I'm really making you think. Third one is, you got the brakes on. I didn't really sense you had the brakes on, but I saw you're listening. And so I, I, want to, I want to go over something tonight because mercy and the love of God and walking in the love of God is real important, like real important, like the commandment of the New Testament, which is real important. Wasn't like the suggestion. Jesus said, hey, I got a great idea, guys. What do you think? We all walk in love. No? Okay, well, don't worry about it. No, that's not what he said. It's real important. But I really think there are some misconceptions about mercy. And there are misconceptions that if you don't clear them up, it's going to make it hard for you to walk in mercy. And so I, I, I want to talk, talk tonight. This will be a little different. But I just felt impressed to talk about mercy and truth misconceptions so we can have a clearer picture 
of what it's like. Mercy is not weak and will not make you a victim. So I think a lot of times people think, Alan, you know, I appreciate it, man, but you're a preacher. Like you work with church people all the time. Your staff is all Christians. Hopefully. <laughs> they are. They are. You, so you work, in a, you work in a very easy environment. You don't know who I work with. You don't know who I live with. You don't know who my in-laws are. You don't know what I deal with. And because of that, I hear what you're talking about, mercy and being merciful and, and, and walking in the love of God, but you don't, know, you don't know what's going on in my life. But God does know what's going on in your life. But, and we need to understand that mercy is not weak. Actually, mercy and the love of God is strength. It takes strength to do it. But it does not mean that you're going to be a victim. Paul was, uh, went back to Jerusalem toward the end of the book of Acts. And uh, you know everywhere Paul went, they had riot and revival. Man, they would, <laughs> they would get so mad at him. And if you ever read a list of some of the stuff that Paul went through, it's incredible. He was like stoned to death a couple of times, beaten just a bunch of times, spent, he's in peril, he said of robbers. I mean, he, this brother went through some stuff. How many of you know after that first one or two beatings, you're thinking about a new calling on your life? <laughs> this guy went through a lot of things. And so he has gone back, he's, he's, he actually, they found him in the temple and the Jews went nuts because he was, he was preaching Jesus instead of Jewish law. And so they, they were about to pull him apart. And the Roman centurions had to come in there with a bunch of soldiers and rescue Paul and, and get, get the Jews off of him. But they, they decided that they didn't know why. They, they couldn't figure out why everyone's so angry. So they're going to examine Paul by scourging. We don't use that word a lot, but scourging is where they would take a, a, a whip that often had long strings of leather and would have bits of bone and, and, and lead in it. And they would beat you with it till you would obviously tell them what's going on. And so Paul is about to get beaten. Let's look, let's look at him. And as they bound him with thongs, that is stri strips of leather, We're talking to all new generations, guys. We gotta wake up. Get your mind back with me if you would. I know that was that was that was too graphic. Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care of what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? <laughs> then he said, <laughs> And he said, Yes. And the commander answered, With a large sum I obtained the citizenship. And Paul said, But I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him, and the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman because he had bound him. If you were a Roman citizen in the day that Paul lived, that was a really, that was a high privilege. And the Romans had pretty strict laws, and the laws were they could not 
bind you, and beat you when you're uncondemned. And so Paul is about to get beaten with a whip. And Paul did not look at the guy who's going to beat him with a whip and go, hey, listen, once you beat me on this side, you want to beat me on this side too? Because you're supposed to turn the other cheek and I need to be real merciful. Paul said, wait a minute, is it lawful for you to do this? Is it lawful for you to, to, to beat a man who's uncondemned and a Roman? And, the, and, and it scared the Romans because it's like, uh-oh. Because Paul could have persecuted them. He, he could have sued them, basically, in effect. And he didn't do it. And so what we see here is Paul not saying, oh, I'm a merciful person, I'm going to be a victim. No, that's not the case. I think sometimes people think, if I'm merciful, I'm going to be a Christian. Here, here's what. Everyone, I'm going to put a scripture up there that almost everybody knows. Even people who are not believers know this. Because they'll tell you you should be doing this. If you put Luke twenty-two thirty-six 36 up. No, I'm, that's not the one. Um, yeah, leave it up there. Everyone knows the scripture. Not this one. Everyone knows the scripture. If a man smites you on the face, do what? Turn the other cheek. Do you realize that turn the other cheek is not the only thing that we're to do in our lives as Christians? So some people think, well, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Someone's mean to me. Someone does something horrible. I got to turn the other cheek. And if you take that out too far, it puts you in a very vulnerable position. And a lot of times people go, ah, I don't want any part of that. But this is Jesus talking. He's talking to his disciples. He says, but now... He who has a money bag, let him take it. He's sending them out. And likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no what? Sword. I looked that up in the, um, in the Greek. It means sword. <laughs> let him sell his garment and buy one. So Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm sending you guys out. You need to take money? And if you don't have a sword, you got, you got a couple of, uh, the garment was an outer coat. You got an outer coat, you, you need to sell it. And you need to have a sword. Why would you have a sword if you weren't going to use it? If the only thing you could do, and you have to understand, the, the highways were just lawless back then. And robbers were there, and a robber comes out, and you go, I've got a sword, but I'm going to turn the other cheek. That makes no sense. And so what Jesus is telling them is, you have the right to defend yourself. Turning the other cheek basically was, if someone slaps you, that's an insult. Then that means that gives me, if someone insults me, it was an insult. He said, if you, instead of coming back with you slapping them back, you can rise above it by going, here's the other side. But that's a choice you make. If someone is attacking you on the road, Jesus didn't say, oh, they're about to attack you and kill you. Turn the other cheek. Is this making sense? Because a lot of times people just like, well, you Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek. Usually people who are telling you that are trying to take advantage of you. You I don't trust. I'll turn, my other, I'll turn what cheek I want to to who I want to. And it ain't you. But think about this. We just read, how many of you read uh, Project 360, Bible 365? You read it today? Anybody read it? What chapter do we read? 
the New Testament. John 18. Was it John 18? All six of you who read, was that, was that it, John? John 18, thank you. And Justin. Um, what, did, what did Peter do in, in the garden when they came to arrest Jesus? Cut that brother's ear off. Don't you know that was not just like a, a, a sterile thing. God comes out and Peter just got too close to Jesus. <laughs> Takes his sword. Don't you know, I bet the guy didn't go, ow. <laughs> He's probably screaming. There's blood. Head wounds bleed. There's, man, there was blood all over the place. And Jesus didn't look at Peter and go, dear Lord, Peter, why have you got a sword? You're not supposed to have a sword. You know, he didn't tell him, you're not supposed to have a sword. He said, put your sword up. Did he rebuke him for having a sword? No. He said, Peter, he said, this isn't the time. He said, the cup my father gave me, I have to drink it. True? Here's, here's what, guys, listen. Being merciful does not mean that you become a victim. It does not mean that someone can come into your house and, and steal your stuff and, and violate your family. If you picked up the paper tomorrow and you read, local pastor, home intruded, and wife violated, you think, oh, that's a horrible thing. And you start reading it, and you, and you, Alan Clayton and his wife, Joy, you went, oh my gosh, that's my pastor. And when they interviewed me, I said, well, when they broke in, I, you know what, as a Christian, I turned the other cheek. What would you think of me? This church would empty out because that would be cowardly. I have a right to defend my family. Amen. You come into my house, you break into my house, you got a nine millimeter welcome waiting you. <laughs> oh. This flies real big in Texas. It don't work in California. <laughs> But do you understand if I did not protect my wife, would you think well of me? Of course not. When Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek, be merciful to people, he's not saying become a victim. Does that make sense? You know, the Bible says in Romans 12, 18, it's not, your, it's not up there, but it says, as much as within you is, live peaceably with all men. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Do you realize there's some people that the only way I can live peacefully with them is never be around them. Is that true? Well, you're supposed to be merciful. No, there's some people that would take advantage of me. Some people would try to rip me off. You know, we got sued as a church a few years ago. Someone sued us. It was a frivolous lawsuit. And um, when I saw it come, come across and Philip and I talked about it, Say, what'd you do? Did you turn the other cheek? Uh-uh. We got our junkyard dog attorney to go talk to their junkyard dog attorney and tell them we had enough information it could get really bad if you decide to sue us. This is the church's money. And I'm not going to let someone just come in here and take a frivolous lawsuit and sue us as a church without me putting up a fight. And so, say, what happened? It went away. 
Now, here's what we didn't do. We didn't get on Facebook and blow this guy up. We didn't, we didn't get out there and go, well, someone tried to sue us, and I'll tell you what, we told this moron, you're not going to be doing that. And we're gonna... No, we can take the high road on that. And we can be merciful. We actually could have hurt him. And we chose not to. We just made the lawsuit go away. Do you understand one of the misconceptions that people have? If I'm a Christian, everyone has to take advantage of me. Every, I can't stand up for what's right. Because, Alan, I work with people in my work, and they're awful, man. They will stab you in the back. How can I be merciful to them? Well, one, you don't stab them. And, well, they, oh, man, they will lie about you. Well, you don't lie about them. And, well, they lied about me and tried to, tried to take my job. What should I do? Defend it. Defend it. If it's wrong, defend it. But do it in the right spirit. Does this make sense? Because people just are, are thinking, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can afford to be merciful. We can afford not to be merciful. Paul operated in a lot of godly mercy and truth. 2 Timothy, 4th chapter. Let's look what happened. Paul is writing Timothy. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Okay, right here we got a classic example. Paul is writing Timothy, he loves Timothy. He said, Timothy, he said, you're going into this area. He said, there's a guy there named Alexander the coppersmith. He said, this guy hurt me. He did me a lot of harm. Make sure you turn the other cheek. That's not what he said. He said, you beware of him. You know, there's some people you need to beware of. Being Christian doesn't mean we just kind of go, oh, just take advantage of me. I just love everybody. Oh, you're going to take my money? That's okay. I'm a Christian. No. That would be dumb. I was going to say stupid, but Joyce said, don't say stupid. <laughs> so I won't. It would, it would be... <laughs> it, it, would be it would be unintelligent of you to do that. But there are some people you need to stay away from. There are some people that have had, that have had business deals with us and have ripped us off. Guess who I don't do business with anymore? So you're supposed to forgive them. I did. But I'm not going to do business with them. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, Timothy. Beware of him. He greatly resisted my words. Now watch this. He said, at my first offense, no one stood with me, but all men forsook me. All the people that are around Paul, Paul's getting ready. He must have been called into court. And Paul stands up, makes a defense. He's looking around for all his buddies and all the church leaders. They're gone. They left him. I mean, if you're Paul, you're like, where is everybody? Oh, Paul, they, they man, something came up. We couldn't be here with you. Love you, bro. Can't be here. You know what Paul said about them? He said, May the Lord not lay it to their charge. Yeah. 
It didn't hurt Paul. I'm sure it hurt him personally. But he didn't ask, Lord, blast them. Can't believe these guys forsook me. I can't believe they did that. Just get them, Jesus. <laughs> but he did say about Alexander the coppersmith, he put that in the Lord's hands. He says, Lord, you, you, you repay him. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. There's sometimes you just need to look at the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do anything about this. This is, he's all yours. Someone who's done harm, but someone who's insulted you, what do we pray for them? How do we treat them? That's where mercy comes in. It's like, don't, Lord, don't lay it to their charge. You know, it takes strength to do that. Because when people do unkind things to you, I don't know if you know, your first response is not, Lord, don't lay it to their charge. Your first response is, I can't believe you did that. I am not believing you. Man, why would you do that? And you can, now you can start looping it. And you're thinking about, and when I see them again, and, and they say this, I'm going to say this. And they do this, I'm going to do this. And it's so easy to want to get back. And say, this is where mercy comes in. Lord, lay, lay to the charge. Oftentimes we've had people leave, staff leave, or people leave the church. Many times they've said unkind things. You know, we've, we've never responded. Does it feel good? No. They get to control the narrative, not us. But we're not going to attack them with our words. And we're not going to make ourselves look good and, and make them look bad. Is that easy? No. Is that merciful? Yes. Does that make sense? Mercy and truth. Mercy doesn't make you a victim. Truth is not to be used to cause harm. You ever hear people say, well, you know, the truth hurts. That's not a scripture. <laughs> Ephesians, fourth chapter. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Sometimes we have to tell people the truth. It's not always easy to hear. But love is the underlying motive. And love says, I want what's best for you. Sometimes we've had to tell, you know, as, as a parent, both Joy, you can imagine growing up in our home, both Joy and I are definitely truth people. And we've looked at our children, and we, we've told them the truth. We gave our daughter singing lessons for like a year or so. Finally, I looked at Joy and said, we are wasting money. Girl can't, girl can't sing. <laughs> Cannot sing. And finally, I just looked at, and we looked at Christina, you know, and you hear me say, it's my, it's my dream. What ain't your gift? <laughs> we're not trying to hurt our kids. We're trying to help our kids so they don't wind up on American Idol doing one of those, doing one of those auditions and everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. So I'm going to get a hold of them before Simon Cowell does because I'm going to be a whole lot more loving to them. And I'm gonna, so, so we, tried, we, we tried to help our kids with, with the truth. We don't use truth to bludgeon people. Truth, when we deliver it, the harder the truth, the more the love. Sometimes we have to, to do that. I, uh, Jesus said something here. We'll, we'll, we'll put this up and I'll, I'll, I should close with this. In um, John 16, if you would, guys. 
Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So Jesus, Jesus is saying, I, I got things I need to say. He said, you actually can't handle them now. Which brings back the famous line from Jack Nicholson. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Yeah. And, it, and yet, that's so true. When I got out of Bible school, Joy and I came back to, to the Houston area. I was, I was selling cars at the time, and uh, Joy was, to make, to make money, Joy was watching children in our home. I think at one time we had eight little ones in the house, plus Matt. And jo Joy's good with kids. She really is. And so we, we had the little ones, and, and uh, we developed a relationship with one of the couples. We watched their, their daughter. And Joy was very good with her daughter and, and good. And so we invited them over to dinner one night. And we were over at dinner one night, and, and, the, and the guy began. He and I were close to the same age. He was an executive. I used to be one. But now, you know, I'm just, I'm just the guy who's, whose wife watches their daughter. And so we didn't have really much of a relationship, but as he began to talk over dinner, he began to tell me about his father had died. And he began to tell me about how the Lord took his father. Now, that's, that's not part of my, my, my belief system. See, I look at Jesus, and when I see Jesus, I don't see Jesus taking anybody. I see him raising the dead, not causing the dead. I see him healing the sick, not making people sick. I see him relieving pain, not causing pain. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in my doctrine, in my belief, and I'm fresh out of Bible school, I was like, oh no. You didn't just say that God took your father. And so I, I gave him both barrels of truth. And I regret it to this day because it, the conversation shut down. He wasn't ready for that. We didn't have a relationship enough or I could go, hey, are you, are you willing to entertain? Maybe there's another idea here. He was just coming to grips. He was just trying to get his head around the fire. This is a painful thing for him. Listen, it's not our job to go around correcting everybody. And even though I, I did not believe for a moment that God had taken his father, that's not the point. The point is, how could I help that guy where he is now? Not correct his doctrine. Maybe later on, if I had an opportunity to, maybe we could talk that and discuss that. Because I would love to see him get rid of that idea that God would take, take your father, take your loved one at, at a young age. I, I, I wouldn't want to see that because it makes it harder to receive from him if you think he's the one that's taking from you. If you think he's the one that's caused your pain, how are you going to go to him and get relief from pain? But at that point in time, he wasn't ready to hear that. And I should have never said it. And I regretted it. I regret it to this day. They never came over. The, we stopped watching their little girl. And I lost an opportunity with someone. I'll see him in heaven. He'll go, you know, you were a real jerk. And I'll go, yeah, you're right. All right, yeah. But... But the, but the deal is this. We don't use truth as a weapon. We don't let mercy make us a victim. Does that make sense?
Did that help clear up any misconceptions for anybody in this? Why, you say, Alan, why is that important? Because we're living in a world that so desperately needs the love of God and the truth of God. They need both. The love of God that says come in, the truth of God that says you can change. He can change you. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to stay that way. And that's just such a better way to live. But we're living, the darker it gets, guys, the brighter we can shine. People say the church is, you know, the days of the church are over. I think the best days of the church still exist because we're going to keep shining a light and people will, will come in to go, man, I, whatever you guys have got, I need it. But not if we're chewing each other up and spitting each other out. We got to stop that and focus on, I don't, you know, listen, we can wait till we get to heaven to sort all of it out. Do you believe in Jesus? Great. I believe in Jesus. We'll leave the rest of it alone. Let's reach a world that's lost and dying. I got a, I told you, I had, we put that billboard up with that guy that says, God's not mad at you. And some guy sent me a letter just chewing me up doctrinally. And I just wrote him back and I said, and my last thing was, I said, bro, I said, I am not going to talk with you more about this. We are, I said, there will be no more emails. There will be no more correspondence. I said, we should have enough to do reaching those that don't know him instead of arguing with each other. Do you agree with that? As a church, can we just be the church and that we just love people in, in the area? You know, I, I appreciate some of the things Philip Moore went to. Did you hear about the church that got shot up with, with, with God? We, uh, I, I don't know that pastor, but you know, we were able to, Philip Moore took over a check for $5,000 to help them pay to get all that stuff done. That's what we're about. We're about loving people. And say, well, I, I don't know. Do you know what their doctrine is? I know they believe in Jesus. That's good enough for me. Mercy. It's a good thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your help. Thank you, Father, for your truth. As we rightly divide it, Father, thank you. We can learn and grow, and we're all learning and growing. I thank you, Father, for those who felt that if they followed you, that they'd be taken advantage of. But, Lord, you're big enough. To overcome, you're big enough to compensate for, you're big enough to make such a difference in their life. Father, for those who feel like it's their job to tell everybody the truth, Father, thank you for relieving them of that duty that they can be someone who loves, someone who cares first. So we thank you for that. Give you all the praise for that. If you're here tonight and you say, Alan, I don't know that I've ever received Jesus as my Lord and Savior or Alan, I did that one time, and I've, I've gotten so far away from God, I don't want to, I, but I don't want to be here. We're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front. But uh, if that's you, and you would like in on this very short but powerful prayer, if you would like for us to pray with you about that, would you slip your hand up just real quickly across the auditorium and say, Alan, would you pray for me? Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thank you. Great. Put your hands down. We're going to pray didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, you can still get in on this prayer. We're going to pray with you as a church family. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior. 
is the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are bowed, eyes are still closed. Father, we're very grateful for those who have made that, that journey from darkness to light and for those who've come back home. And we rejoice with them and rejoice at your goodness for you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.